Hello and welcome to Making of a Historian, the podcast chronicling one grad student's quest to write his dissertation and eventually to get a job. Uh, and today I am really happy to be joined by my colleague Shofu Yin, who is a PhD candidate here at UC Berkeley. And Shofu's been a PhD candidate for, for what? Six four, days? Four days. Four days. So yeah. four days ago, Shofu did his orals and uh, four days after my orals, I was I was laying on my couch, like getting drunk and watching TV. And four days after his orals, Shofu is like bright and happy and attentive. And you're you're about to go to seminar, right? Yeah, precisely. So what you need to know about Shofu is he's he's a good student. <laughs> uh, but th- thanks very much for 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 joining me today, Shofu. Uh, and so Shofu, today we're going to be talking about your. Uh, uh, interest in uh, political culture in imperial China, right? Yeah. I, I, am I right? Yeah, so, precisely. So tell me a little, I just want to get, get myself situated because I know very little about Chinese history. And the big thing that I know is that Chinese history is really big and really long. And that's it. So, so tell me a little bit about what we mean by political culture in imperial China. Like, when are we talking about and what sort of thing are we talking about? So we know China was once upon a time an empire. You may think it still is. Good. Um, so <laughs> it starts with 200, um, 221 BC. So they start unified, having an emperor. It ends with 1911 CE. So the emperor is gone. Oh, so wow. you are right. It's really long. That's a real... Like, usually when we talk about periodizations in history, like the periods are around 100 years, 150 years, maybe 250 years. But this is a periodization that's 2,000 years old. And that's, you're you're like an expert in all 2,000 years? No, 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 I'm not an expert on that. Um, so definitely we have breaking it down into shorter period. So normally we will do early China, early empires. That's by and large third century BC to third century CE. Yeah, and we have also a notion of late imperial China, which is by and large fourteen hundred to nineteen hundred ish. Okay. So definitely there are periodization issues. Okay, but but there's something that's really similar about that time. There's something that that that, that keeps it together from two two twenty one BC to uh, 1911. There's like a thing that, that binds it together, right? Yeah, definitely. So like any other region, right, there are continuities and discontinuities. And in China, well, think of China. Uh, what do you think about um, in terms of political culture? For example, if we think of Athens or America, we have democracy, right? Yeah. If you think of China during that period, what well, are some of the key words? I, I think of an emperor. I think of some of those... Uh, uh, portraits of the Manchu emperors, like the oh, like great. like really big and beautiful, but kind of strange and like just like a single person, like big. And I I know too that there's like uh, an imperial examination system, right? That there's like a really big bureaucracy, and there's a test that lets you get into that bureaucracy. That's really hard, and you have to study Confucius and like one percent of the people who take it pass. Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's what I know. Yeah, that's um, great. Yeah, that that's yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Let's recapitulate. So you mentioned two things. One is the emperor, right? Yeah. Another one is bureaucracy. Yeah. Put it in another way. One is an emperor ruling from above. Let's call autocracy. Yeah. The emperor, like, w- in my view, like, the emperor is, like, very stern, sits in a big throne, and, like, people go and give him 
things, and he says no, yes, right? Yeah, precisely. And another dimension you mentioned is kind of the selection of officials. We often call it meritocracy. Yeah, in the sense that um selection of the good officials and let them rule, right? So my research has a lot to do with on the one hand, so how we come to the stereotypical vision that China is a combination of autocracy and meritocracy. Now yeah. on the other hand, I'm very interested in collecting previously ignored documents to complicate these kind of issues and to show a very, how to say, um, different picture of doing politics, having a political life in China. Well, I mean, that there's something about even that stereotypical view that you brought up that I think is really interested, interesting to dig into. And that's the, that, that there's a tension between autocracy and meritocracy, right? There's a tension between this figure of, of, of imperial, like, uh, 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 charismatic rule and then a meritocracy where people rise up through the ranks based on their on, on how good they are at answering exam questions. Like is that tension something that 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 you see as productive or or something that you see as actually like happening in, in, in Chinese history? No, you're making a face that that, that, that I'm not Well you yeah, it's a very good point. So in the scholarship, um for example, most 20th century historian will um tell you the story that in the reality it is autocracy. Yeah. But in order to, how to say, ideologically decorate this kind of regime, they invent the ideology of meritocracy to legitimize this very regime. Okay, so so the idea that a lot of people have is that it's just an autocracy and any, like, they, 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 they dress it up by saying, well, we have a meritocracy around. But that's that seems a bit weird to me because there's a plenty of autocratic regimes that don't need to justify themselves yeah. with a highly yeah. complex meritocratic system that like seems to have a lot of cultural purchase, right? Yeah, definitely. This is a great point. So um what interests me is that um what we um, as a historical historical process during which we come to have this kind of impression, right? Mm. So we think China is autocratic or meritocratic because, as we just mentioned, there are scholars, powerful scholars in the past told me so, right? Yeah. And the next question to ask is why and in what kind of circumstances they invented this kind of narrative. Yeah. And this goes to um, very interesting stories. For example, late 19th century, early 20th century, China encountered European regimes and Montesquieu, for example, they are interested in China, into China. Yeah. Yeah, the people I study, the 18, these people in the 18th century, they are very curious about Chinese uh, history and culture, which they see as like both superior to European culture and deeply alien in a way. And yeah, they're 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 getting stuff from like scholars and Jesuits and 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 folks like that. So just just am I wrong in in my idea that that the Chinese political culture is uh, like centralized? autocratic and, and, and meritocratic or, or or is it more is it just more complicated than wrong? Yeah, right. So it's that you believe so because the textbooks select certain episodes mm. that convince you, wow, this is a great story. This really characterizes China, right? Yeah. But some other episodes which has not reached you will tell you an entirely different story. Okay. So this, yeah, let me give you an example. Yeah, tell me some of these stories. I mean, Shofu, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let you know. You if you think that I've been reading textbooks about Chinese history, then <laughs> then you, you you're giving me way too much credit. Like I'm very ignorant. But tell me to give, give 
educate me. Tell me some of these stories that, that, that tell me a different, a different way of understanding Chinese political culture. So think of America today, right? So it's great because um, we have people's opinion expressed, mm. right? So how do we do that? We have them voting, right? And also we do opinion poll. Yeah. We want to know what they think about this and that policy, right? Yeah, and when, when, when we're talking about issues of like public concern, yeah, we'll often look at like an opinion poll, we'll say like 50% of, of people support this particular policy or not. And that kind of gives a sense of what kinds of policies are, are legitimate. Like we'd say that, that a policy was illegitimate if like people didn't agree with it, right? Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So 1148, 1150-ish, so in China, so in the oh, southwestern part of China, so which is called Sichuan, it's not so important in this context. So they tried a very large-scale opinion poll. So it covers over a million population. A million? Yeah, a million population. They divided by household, so it's um, 0.3 million households, which will amount to a million population. So basically, the basic idea is that the government is um, concerned which kind of taxation plan the local people want. Yeah. And let's say they have plan A and plan B subtly different from each other. And yeah. they, they, they don't know which one to execute. Yeah. Then what do you do, right? They designed an opinion poll. That's why. So how did they actually do this opinion poll of, 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 of 0.3 million households. Yeah, precisely. So in order to execute that, you need actually a science of doing that, yeah. right? You need a basic infrastructure. So basically during that period, households are registered. So you know who they are, where they are, right? And then you need to develop particular kind of forms to simplify the concerned... Like like forms on paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pieces of paper that, 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 that have kind of rows and yeah. columns. Yeah. And for people who don't know a lot about like the history of, of, of statistics, like the idea of getting like a printed paper form and going to every household and filling it in, yeah. like, that happens in Europe in like... You need paper first. You need right? paper. Yeah, you you like... often need printing. You need widespread literacy yeah. and numeracy, which yeah. I'll tell you in Britain in eleven hundred <laughs> they didn't have they didn't have a lot of paper. Yeah. They didn't have widespread literacy and numeracy. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. They probably even couldn't walk to a million households, you know. Yeah. And the key to that is that you need a science of dividing districts of polling. Mm. So it's several prefectures. If you just put everyone together, it's not a good polling, right? Yeah. Scientifically, as we know today. So they divided first. Um, so they have prefectures, which is kind of unit. Yeah. Behind it, it has counties. Yeah. And sub-counties, they are um, villages or as such. So they divide a particular way of dividing the terrain. And in the end, they collect the data according to county. So each county, what has a majority view? And in the end, they tailored every county's majority choice. So if your county, the majority, let's say 60% want plan A, then you get it. Then the neighboring county, for example, 60% for plan B, you get it. I'm, this, is, this is wild. And this, this, show, this example is so good to juxtapose against the naive view of uh, a Chinese political culture that I had, because it's not national, it's regional, right? Yeah, precisely. Like, we're not talking about something that's happening over the entirety of imperial China. We're talking about one particular region. Yeah. It's not autocratic. They're, the, peop the, the administrators are deeply interested in what yeah. people are doing. 
and it's not necessarily meritocratic, but it's highly bureaucratized. Yeah. And and this is wild. This is such a wild story. And for me, like I, I study, as you know, like the 18th century, and I, I, I'm interested a lot in 18th century paperwork. And how do people keep their, their, their communities organized? And this level of, 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 of local administration doesn't hit Britain until like... 1700. Yeah, and it's not just the you that will find it, um, how to say, um, surprising in hearing that um, most Chinese historians have not heard of us that. Okay. And that itself is an interesting phenomenon. Um, I have asked a lot of people, have you heard of that? Only um, specialists of 12th century taxation, they are familiar with that. And definitely, because it's important, it's important data, important numbers, they have to know that. Yeah. But other than that, people are fairly um, ignorant of this very important event. The question is definitely why, right? This goes back to the early point I was trying to make. It is not in the textbooks. Yeah. The textbook will tell you a totally different story. It is a story of how, for example, China become is becoming more and more autocratic. Yeah. And it, because of this reason, it fell backward, and then the Europeans come. Well, so let me let me ask a, a, a question. Another question. We can go a little bit deeper into the weeds of the story. But so, why why was there an opinion poll in Sichuan in the in the twelfth century? Like, what did it do for people? There clearly, the imperial administrators could have simply levied whatever form of taxation they wanted to, right? Yeah. So what? What? Not really. Not really. Okay, tell <laughs> me. Yeah. So um, this is a great question. So we are going to the background of this. Maybe probably the world's first large-scale opinion poll. So the background is more um, going back to the late 11th century, so um, 1060s-ish. So there's a reform, um, government-sponsored um, top-down reform, trying to reform the taxation system. Mm -hmm. So and then it results into um, huge conflicts at the court level. So there are different officials, they have different opinions, and then faction politics gets really bad. Partly as a result, which was scholars debated about that. So 1127, the regime failed, and it relocated to the south. Oh. So they lost a lot of territory, and they need to rebuild itself. So they're learning from this past experience. So ta taxation now is an issue, and we need to reform it, and we don't really know how to do that. And if we are the deci decision makers are just relying on the intuitions, then they fight against each other, persecuting each other. That's wrong, right? Huh. So they came to the point that in order to have good policy on taxation, we need to know what the people really want. And it's against this backdrop, so the opinion um, poll is set up. And what is more, as we have already uncovered a little bit, this is a period of um, printing. This is a period of um, literacy is going and um, growing. And it's also a period that numeracy is kind of um, is included in, in the bureaucrats' basic trainings. Yeah. So they know how to do the calculations, and they really value um, a certain level of accuracy yeah. when they are... Um, designing policies. And not only are they able to do the calculations, but enough people are able to read the calculations Precisely. and know what they mean to have it to have it be purchased. So so just to recap, you have a, situ a situation in which you have a collapse in political legitimacy. Right. And within that, you have a bunch of people who are debating policy, and that policy debate is breaking down. Yeah. Like, rather than creating good policy, it's just getting people to fight in factions. And the solution that everybody can agree on is, well, let's go to the people. Precisely. And so we need to go to the people prepared with 
particular methods yeah. to take their views. It's yeah. not just randomly picking, for example, three elders from this village, yeah. bring them to the capital, let them speak. No, it's not like that. Yeah, well, I was going to ask, who's the people? Because whenever this, this sort of thing happens in Britain, and you say, let's go to the people, well, it turns out that the people's represented by, like, the 12 richest dudes in the community. So was this everybody in the community or is it just every household? Yeah, it's every household. So um, previously, um, the kind of information, uh, how to say communication is such that only the capital, people can come, well, anyone who can afford traveling to the capital. There's a particular drum. You have the very right to hit the drum. Yeah. And then governmental officials will come to you. What is the issue? And you can make complaints. So they're trying to change that. I mean, yes. that, that sounds more like my naive view of what right. Chinese political culture is. Right. Like, anybody can beat the drum, but you have to go there. And, yeah, and precisely. Yeah. So that system features the particular kind of elites who can afford traveling there, yeah. or those people who are so desperate that they will yeah, sacrifice anything but to yeah, make this trip to try to, to look for justice. So now they are, at this moment, 1150, um, 40-ish, they're trying to executing a new, how to say, um, mechanism mm-hmm. to heal from the people and then going back to your question so it is not featuring each individual so it is based on household okay why is based on household because taxation is collected based on household yeah. so each household is responsible for um tax um tax and what's interesting about the house household system is that a household can be large for example, five, seven, even more. Some households are known for particularly large. And are these are these uh, single family households? Are they are they multi family households or multi multi generational households? What's what's like the the, the rough idea of, of, of household composition? So very point? diversified. There are some multi um, generation, but there are single family okay. ones. Some some household may have dependent. It is also possible. Well, some household is only one person, and mm-hmm. this person can be female. Okay. So this means that if you are among these um, a million kind of population, if you happen to be the head, they, they have a technical term called a household headed by a female. Mm. Okay. So if, if you happen to be um, in such a situation, then in this case, um, the, the, the very woman has a chance to express her views with regard to that. So I want to I take this into the future. Like, this is a really interesting moment. But... What happens to this kind of, of, of opinion polling? You say that people uh, historically don't understand it, but do techniques like this continue after the 12th century, or is this just a one-off thing that people then forget about? Um, both yes and no. So it is no... Spoken like a true historian. <laughs> yeah, it is no because um, this kind of, how to say, opinion polling is um, dependent upon a strong state, or we say yeah. state activism, in the sense that states wants to take care of everything on the local level. They gradually abandoned that ideal because it's too difficult, because the population is growing and the state infrastructure is weak, the community communication is difficult. I, I mean, just the idea that you're going to get people to walk to every household yeah, with enough printed forms yeah, precisely. and then walk back yeah, and precisely. then have somebody to look through all those pe- pre- yeah, printed yeah. forms and collate them? Yeah. Like, that's a massive undertaking. Yeah, it's way you know, too costly. In, yeah. in, in 19th century Britain, some of the people who, who were in charge of collating the census, uh, the offices had persistent problems with losing staff members to mental breakdowns because it was such a massive and boring and insane task <laughs> that, that you know they their workforce would just seep out going over to the mental institutions because so, but in 12th century china must have been worse so so it it, it doesn't exactly stick 
uh, it sticks sometimes, but does it do, does the, do these sorts of, of public opinion strategies happen at other times of 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 state activism? Yeah, so um, state activism will be how to say dormant for a long while. Mm. So what survives is kind of different technologies involved. Yeah. So it involves techn- um, accounting, right? This is particularly accounting. important. Yeah. Right. This is definitely important for the fiscal management of later regimes. I, this is something that 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 for uh, people who are not interested in the history of accounting, they'll fall asleep. But the history of accounting is so important because, like you and I, just take for granted that we know how much money we have. Have, that we know how much money the University of California has, that we know how much money people make uh, in the entire U.S., but bef- you, that takes a lot of work to generate that kind of knowledge. And before that, like people just didn't know. Like you just wouldn't know how much money you would have in a given area. Yeah. So like technologies are accounting are really really important. Yeah, so that's one of the things that 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 sticks from this 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 moment. Uh, history, uh, a technology of accounting. Is there also like a a, a, a history of of, of more um, printed forms uh, and, and stuff like that, or does that stick? Printed forms. I need to um, look more into that. Um, I I I have a sense there must exist, but by and large, for example, let's say 15th, 16th, 17th century, so the state entrusts mm. certain elites to for. To perform these duties, right? So then the mechanism will be different. There will be a village level leader. Mm. He will gather these village people together. Okay. And they will hold um, hold a meeting. Yeah. And then they will discuss that, and they will come to a plan. And this village leader, for example, this local whatever leader, will be responsible for negotiating with the county magistrate, who is um, a state official at a local level. He will be negotiating with the county magistrate for that. Okay. So at that level, um, you won't see a lot of documentation because they do that meeting orally. Yeah. Some In some cases, they have records of what they have discussed, but the kind of nature of sources really changed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so is there anything else that 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 uh, uh, this moment of public opinion polling in the twelfth century? Are there any other inheritances that 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 carries on or no? Um, so it is by and large um, rendered into oblivion. Yeah. By the time, for example, late nineteenth century, early twentieth century, when these scholars encounter the West, yeah, they want to um, come to a narrative. So, for example, what is unique about Chinese yeah. political culture as we started with? Yeah. That's what everybody in, in the 18th century yeah, asked. Yeah, precisely. Unique, like, they, yeah. yeah. And they are totally, yeah, um, how to say, no longer um, remembering this episode. I mean, even that that that's, that situation where you have a, a local meeting headed by an elite, who then will, will, the local elite will go to a county magistrate and represent their locality's uh, uh, interests. Like, that strikes me as something that would not be out of place at all with something that would happen in in 17th century England. Like, that's that's a kind of political culture that doesn't seem autocratic or alien or, right? Like, that's, but even that's lost. Yeah, precisely. Well, you, yeah, this is interesting. So, to a certain extent, my feeling is that, for example, 17th century village in China or lower Yangtze River, which is kind of richest region, more comparable to England. Yeah. Let's say a village in lower Yangtze River and a village in England, right? The many things can be comparable, Mm -hmm. but historiographically, meaning that how scholars discuss them are totally different. Yeah. Because England succeeded in being a superpower during the 19th, 20th century, but China failed. Yeah. 
So the historiography is such that if you discuss about village life in 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 this Chinese region, the question to ask is why、yeah. it fails. It's so stagnant.、Yeah. Why it fails well, to generate、uh, this and that? And on the other hand, if you go into a a you know a a a, a bookstore and you look at the British history books, about half of them are talking about. Why blank made the modern world?、Yeah. Why toys、yeah. made the modern world? Why、yeah. ships made everything that's even mildly distinctive about Britain in the 18th century? People latch onto it as an explanation for Britain's, you know, precocious success, right? So the, it, it works both ways. Yeah, precisely. Okay, so tell me, tell is it, give me another example of of how my naive view of imperial Chinese political culture. Uh, needs to be a bit more complicated. So today,、um, I often hear this kind of question. So,、um, why China is so unified? Yeah, Europe is kind of divided, and people can go even further. They can say, "Wow, China is unified." So it ends up with very how to say,、um, there's no the culture kinds to be. Monopus, homogenous, homogenous,、yeah. right?、Yeah. Well, Europe, they have different regional traditions. They come to each other and they exchange ideas, and then that's why they have Renaissance or things like that. Yeah, I, I sometimes I think about this. Like I look at a map of 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 Europe and I see like, you know, a, a region that has a, a lower population than China that's divided up into like thirty different countries or whatever. Many of those countries that have multiple professors of, of their histories at University of California, Berkeley, and then I look at a map of China and it's really big, has a lot of people living there, and it's all one country. Yeah. So why? why yeah, that's, that's a very、um, interesting impression because during the 11th century, let's go back to that period. So when a, a very important historian whose name is Sima Guang, living in 11th century, he is reviewing Chinese history from the beginning he knew、yeah. all the way to the 11th century. Yeah. So his observation, well, well, the time of unity and the time of disunity, they match with each other.、Mm. So there's. It's equally divided, so China is equally disunified as it's unified. Yeah, and there's many moments.、Um, so there are regional governance, and these regional governance governance in well in dynastic historiography, meaning when empire come to produce its own history. Yeah, that's definitely bad, right? Okay, so 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 one of the the processes that you're talking about is. Part of the way that we read Chinese history comes from dynastic yeah. historians. Yeah, comes from the time when 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 the level of state centralization is really high, and you have a bunch of people who are making histories for a given dynasty, and they look back and they look at the moments when there was disunity, or when there was local government, and they either paper over it, they say, ah,、oh, actually, yeah, actually, yeah, we were unified, or they say. That was a time of barbarism and horror, right? Precisely. So recapitulate. We have that impression of unity、yeah. because it's people who want the unity telling us the history, right? Yeah. This kind of regional, we may call warlordism or whatever, is particularly interesting to me because it opens a huge new field for political culture, which is much understudied. To give an example, during the ninth century, kind of um early tenth century, so there are certain provinces. Yeah. These provinces say, no, I don't want a governor that is appointed by the court. Yeah, we want promote a governor on our own. 
So there's 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 a bunch of provinces that yeah. that, that that refuse the the centrally yeah. mandated governor. Yeah. So then that opens a question, right? If you accept the centrally appointed um, governor, there's no further question. But if you want to produce a governor out of yourself, what kind of mechanism you will use? What kind of theory yeah. you will use? Well, who is a better candidate? Right? How do you even get together and, and refuse the governor? Like, how do you even get like even getting a, a a large province together to be able to speak in one voice and refuse a governor? Yeah, that's precisely. that takes a deep amount of organization yeah, and a deep amount of solidarity. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. These guys will gather together, saying there's a centrally appointed governor. He must be exploited. Right. Yeah. He did not understand the local situation. Right. He won't. He would not really care about us. What he cares about his own promotion. Right. Yeah. No, we don't want to do that. So there's a bunch of people gathered together. They are we, we may call them magnates because they are strong. They have yeah. their own bands. They yeah. fight. Band. So so they have like troops. And yeah. Troops. Yeah. yeah. So. They, they, they gather together and they decide that, no, we don't want that. We will decide a candidate for ourselves. Wow. Now the question comes, all these guys are powerful yeah. with their own troops, right? Yeah. And you need to negotiate. You want to say, I am a great candidate. Support me, please. Yeah. And you need to give a reason why you guys need to support me. Yeah. And then all different ideas. For example, I can provide better welfare for you guys. Welfare meaning, well, Food, coins, silk. It's not something that um, democratic. It's more... You can also call it corrupted because these guys well, you, are a small group. Yeah, but you can also imagine, you know, welfare meaning that that, that you give people uh, 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 protection from bandits Precisely. or... Yeah, or, or yeah peace is very important. Help, help for infrastructure development. Yeah, peace yeah. and stability is very important. Yeah. I can make this region peaceful yeah. because I can on the one hand negotiate with the court we don't yeah. run into warfare with them on mm. the other hand I maintain the autonomy right also there's a lot of religious superstitious ideas for example that omen shows that ah I am the guy right and also um, hereditary claims are important because remember it's nice hence well way early right yeah. if my father is a good defender of my region that I claim that I am his son so you can see this kind of um, circumstance with, in which different kind of um, powerful, how to say, warriors or generals or magnates come together, discuss their thing. And then they have a ritual of reaching a consensus. You guess how? Uh, a vote? No, um, they, they, they don't do vote. By and large it's this. So if I am competing for that, you're competing for that. If you know that you will not win that, you will not come. Because if you really came, you'll risk your life. Mm. I will slaughter you in this circumstance. So oh. better for you not to come. And then they gather together. Well, this happened in the Holy Roman in G- 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 German Kingdom as well. Yeah. So the losing par- party will not come. And then they gather together. They won't vote. They will ritually come together and cry together. Imagine mm. these are fierce warriors. Yeah. So why they cry so much? Like with tears. Yeah, with tears. So they cry together. My theory is that it's kind of cry in an open space so that each expose their weakness to the others so that they increase their solidarity. There's also a sense that, uh, yeah, you you, you acknowledge the regretful nature of this kind of election or decision-making. We... Anyway, they, they cry together. I mean, this is just an, an an amazing moment. So you first you gave us this 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 view 
of a different kind of politics. And this politics is something that we're not, that I'm not familiar with at all. It's a politics where you're having people debating about who should be kind of a, a rogue governor, right? Yeah. There's an appointed governor, but these elites, these warlords, these magnets, let's call them elites, right? Yeah, yeah, these yeah. elites are getting together and they're saying, we're going to agree that the, the appointed governor is not going to come. But we have to choose from, from one of us. And then they, they, they don't just say, hey, I'm stronger. They give a whole bunch of political reasons. Right. And they can be spurious, like, hey, the, the omen, you know, I was, the omen is, is obviously saying that. But they can also be uh, uh, very practical. Yeah. I'm going to keep peace. I have kept peace. I know the guys in the court, and so they're not, I can, I can bribe them enough so that they won't kill us. And then after they get this, this moment of negotiation, which seems in some ways familiar, they get together in, in a political ritual that starts off, when I'm playing it in my head, it starts off very familiar for me. You have a bunch of people getting together to discuss a problem or to ratify a solution. And then they cry. Yeah. I mean, I can almost, like, it's it's so, I can kind of feel it. Like, I can, I, I, I can imagine how it feels to be in that sort of situation. It's tense. Everybody's like getting together. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna make a momentous decision, and then you weep. But yeah, yes. Remember, these are fierce warriors. Yeah. They are ah yeah. And when the time moves on, especially um, I, I I'm working on this. So eighty-three, a certain point when power further fragmented. So you have women playing particularly active role in that. Really? Yeah. So you have like in, only... in which part in the debate or 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 in in the crying? Like what what? Um. So um, in being elected to governor. Not exactly governor. So that is another region. So it is um close to lower Yangtze River. Okay. So it is um so it's particularly interested region. It's mountainous. So there's small prefectures, prefectures like, for example, in county in Western Europe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this region... And, and, and a big thing that we should remember is that mountainous regions have more autonomy in general than, than, than flat regions. The flatter the place, the more centralized state control. Yeah, the precisely. more mountainous and hilly, the more kind of local and weird things can get. Yeah, precisely. Okay. So the, this local family was trying to build a kind of dynastic rule in this very region. So imagine that you are the man, right? Yeah. You want to um, establish your authority and pass your seal, your, your power to your son, right? Yeah. But what if your son is too young to participate in this kind of um, activities, right? Maybe Who is, get a regent, like a, a friend or a, a... The friend A friend is really risky because all your friends are as a kind of magnates, elites, yeah. they are trying to do the same thing. And right? if they're good enough to, to rule on behalf of my son, then they're good enough to take over from him, right? Precisely. Yeah. In these circumstances, your wife is the, uh, how do you say, safest person to rely on, right? Yeah. This prepares the ground for female warriors. I, I call them commanders because they don't have a military identity. Anyway, for these female um, activists to stand in the center of these regional politics. So they will personally lead troops to attack other fortifications. By then, fortifications is really important. They will lead a large army to attack other fortifications, to take them and establish her own charisma. So why we know that? Because she was in the position to negotiate rewards with a higher level of government. I conquer that. You need to give me recognition. And why the regional court had to do that? Because it's mountainous. He cannot conquer that. He has to rely on the cooperation of that very woman commander warrior. So we ha- that's an amazing 
moments. So in this mountainous region, there. how many times has this happened? Is this like once, or does it happen dozens of times? Dozens or? of times, I will argue, but the sources survive is kind of scarce. In that particular region, in 10 years, we have two different female commanders. But that's and still, that's, that's... And why we know that? Because it happened to be the case that a Korean literatus, a writer, was in China by then. He write certain documents and he preserves that, carry it on to Korea, thanks to whom we have that. Otherwise, we don't have the documents. But but still, the, so 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 we have enough hints that this happens sometimes. And what we have is we have female commanders who are like attacking and taking fortifications and not only commanding troops, but then representing themselves in communications with, with the central government and saying, hey, look, I deserve stuff because I, 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 I control these fortifications now. Yeah, precisely. So behind that thing is the political mechanism. There's a husband, the wife, they are building a solid power base because yeah. they want to pass this little regime to their hair. And so that you can imagine during the next meeting, the, 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 they can make the point. We should be the leader family of this locale. Yeah. And what does that tell us about the political culture? Does it say, say for us that things are more local and family-based than, 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 than individual and patriarchal? Or what, 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 what do you think? What's like, yeah. It's, it means that at a certain point that each locale was trying to make themselves the focus. It's mm. not that you are only an integral part of empire. They are not exactly containing, for example, we want our own, for example, I want to build my own dynasty in this locale. It is rather that I want this locale to be my family's hereditary thing. Mm. On top of that, I am willing to acknowledge whoever above me. Yeah. So it's not openly defying imperial, imperial authority, but it's a kind of negotiating a certain space so that you have you can have a local minor dynasty vis-a-vis -vis a higher political structure. Okay. And I, I want to just do a, a, a European comparison to, to, to make the historiographical move, like, clearer. So, like, oftentimes when we think of, of European history, if we think of stuff that's happening in the 11th century, we'll talk about kings of England. Yeah. Right? Or we'll talk about, like, a king of Germany. But we're able to say that because now there's a country called Great Britain that has a, you know, a place called England that that has professional historians who read a bunch of sources and look back and see what's happening in that country in the 11th century and goes, those are kings of England. But at the time, they didn't just consider themselves kings of England. They thought of themselves as in part heirs to the Roman Empire, as having uh, 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 reciprocal relations with the, uh, the papacy. And you can imagine if one of these big political groups survived, that we wouldn't talk about them as kings of England, but as warlords. Yeah, precisely. Or as local elites, or as, you know, minor dynasties. And so what you're showing is that in Chinese history, there's that same kind of of of, of highly local political culture. Yeah, precisely. That, yeah. You think of the French history, right? So we have the um, Carolingian Empire, mm -hmm. which breaks down during the 9th century, right? And his empire started to really fragment it. So for example, the Duke of Aquitaine or Count of Toulouse, they try to stake a kind of autonomous position vis-a-vis the -vis French king, right? Well, they don't just try, they do it yeah, for, precisely. For, for a long time, and for generations. What, and what do historians say vis-a-vis -vis this kind of um, phenomenon? Well, as a general level, they will say, well, this is Europe. You see, 
strong local tradition. You see, France, <laughs> every every local, every region, they have their own cheese, they have their yeah. own di- identity, and this is Europe. Yeah, like, Europe, strong localities. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, if we really delve into the kind of mechanism. Certain regions, I will argue, will be more similar to certain regions in Europe、mm-hmm. than other European regions. Yeah, yeah. And another thing that 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 that's coming through for me, but I want to make a, a clear point on, is that part of this has to do with sources. Yeah, precisely. So when people who study Chinese history study Chinese history, they usually go to Beijing, right? Oh、uh, well, nowadays they go everywhere. The real challenge, um, real issue with regard to um sources is that China has printing culture really early.、Mm. So 11th century, a lot of books are already printed. Yeah, and we cannot say it's a total um printed um kind of situation. Manuscript culture are important, but once you have printing technology, they really determine what kind of sources survived. Yeah, they marginalize certain sources. Yeah. And then what we have, for example, for 11th century and onwards, well, for the 19th, 20th century, we have more archival materials. But for before that, what we can see is heavily contingent upon what people decided to print. Yeah, yeah. So when we're do- dealing with the same time period in Europe where there isn't printing, we get kind of these weird handwritten documents. And handwritten documents obviously have a more local character. Yeah, because they are often just whatever. On Earth, managed to make it into a box and survive for five hundred or six hundred. So we have a lot of stuff about localities and cities and uh, 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 you know abbeys and stuff like that. But in China, there's a print culture, so you don't need to pay attention to all that stuff. Yeah, and the archival mentality is really different.、Mm. If you can't print, you will have sense that I really need to preserve preserve them. I need to copy them, recopy them,、yeah. so that I won't lost. Once you have the printing technology disseminated, your mental mentality might be, hmm, this is important. I yeah. will, yeah, block printed so that people can have access to that, and then other stuff, ooh, just let them go. Yeah,、and、you don't need to. You don't need to have a storeroom of documents that you preserve for thousands of years when all the important stuff's already printed. Yeah, yeah. So when you look at 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 at. This naive view of Chinese political culture as as centralized, autocratic, and, and meritocratic, and you look at all these examples that your research has drawn up. How do you want to revise that? Is there any like big takeaway that you can give、uh, give us about Chinese political culture? Well, I will say in general today we really buy in the kind of ideological divide. So East, West, or whatever. Yeah. This category does not really make sense to me.、Mm. So I would like to,、um, in my further scholarship or in other kind of activities, really invite our attention to yeah how to conceptualize different kind of、um, political activities、yeah. or human activities without committing ourselves first to these kind of ideological dichotomies. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, this this has been a a a a great talk show, Fu. I can't wait. Uh, for uh, your stuff to get published, you, do you have anything in the works that, that yeah, you yeah, might yeah. be able to read?、Yeah. Uh, tell us about it. What's what's in the works? Well, the female commander paper will be yeah, it's、uh, yeah, it's coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Well, well, I'll, I'll let everybody know when it comes out.、Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Shofu.、Uh, thank you to everybody who listens. If you like the show, subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review,、uh, tell people about it on social media. Thank you to Jonathan Lear who did our music, and to Duncan Barton for the image.、Uh, I will be back next week where I'm going to be talking to Amada Beltran about her research. Which I don't know what it is. I think it's on the Catholic Church. I will speak to you then.